Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Well, once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so good to have you with us. As you just heard Tyler say a few moments ago, today's the 12th and final installment of the Gospel According to Mark series. And you know what that means? It's our last shot at it. And I say that because for the past three months now, four months if you include January, we have given you a steady diet of Jesus. That's all we've been talking about on Sunday mornings. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I trust that that emphasis has been a blessing to you. As we have looked to him and focus our attention upon him. Now, what's pretty humorous about all this is about midway through the Mark series, I met with a Christian brother who just started attending Community Christian Church, and at that first initial meeting, he mentioned to me that he recently left the church that he had been attending for years and years because of a leadership change. And over the past several weeks, since the first of the year, he's been visiting other churches. And he said to me, Pastor, quite honestly, what I really want when I come to church on Sunday morning is I want to hear the preacher talking about Jesus. I said, that's what you want? He goes, I want that more than anything else. I said, well, you came to the right place because we're headlining Jesus all the way through April. And he was extremely excited about that. You know, every time we get together, we desperately try to exalt the name of Jesus. Reason being, there's no other name higher than his. He has a name above every name. And the last time I checked, he was still on the throne. He's still the head of the church. He's still the savior we should be following after closely. And so with the Mark series, we have endeavored to continue our 2021 New Year's resolution which is to keep our attention, to focus our eyes on Jesus. To watch him closely, to serve him carefully, to listen to what he has to say. And throughout this series, whenever it's been my turn to preach, I have drawn your attention and referenced a verse of scripture, a passage of scripture found in chapter 10, and I've made a really big deal about these couple of verses. Mark chapter 10, verses 43 through 45. Here it is, Jesus speaking. He says, not so with you. Not the case with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first, and we all want to be first, must be slave or servant of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I've referenced this passage over the past couple of months as the central theme verse to Mark's gospel. And now I mean the one verse that encapsulates and contains the key to the entire book And here in this passage, Jesus plainly says, I came to planet earth to serve. I came to the people of God. 
I came to the church of Jesus Christ, my church, with one motivation and one priority, to serve. And let me ask you, when Jesus said that, was he telling the truth? You better believe he was. Just follow him around in the Gospels. And every day you will watch Jesus during his earthly ministry. Every day, every opportunity, you will watch him pour his heart out. I mean fully give himself to his disciples, to the multitudes, and to the crowds. When confronted with human need, he never turned his back on any need, not even one time. He spent his entire earthly ministry reaching out and comforting those who were overwhelmed with sorrow. And he healed the sick, and he cleansed the lepers, and he cast out demons. From his very first sermon until his final breath, he declared one single message, the good news of the gospel. That's all he talked about. That was his objective, communicating the gospel of salvation and a message of hope. You see, Jesus did not come into the world for himself. Can I repeat that? He didn't come to earth for himself. His birth wasn't for him. His ministry wasn't for him. His resurrection from the dead, his ascension back into heaven, even the second coming of Jesus is not for him. It's for us. In fact, every single thing that Jesus has ever done, he's done it for us. And how many of you know that even after being glorified and raised from the dead, listen to me very carefully, even after being glorified and raised from the dead, even after returning to his throne in heaven, his call and capacity to serve the church has not changed. Can I repeat that? His call, his desire, his willingness to serve the church, his church, has not changed. Even in heaven, Jesus is still serving. Think about that for a moment. He ever lives to make intercession for us, and his number one priority is to serve his church. In other words, following his death and his resurrection, he was not reinstated immediately and then promoted to commander-in-chief, where now, instead of serving the body of Christ like he did during his earthly ministry, he's just up in heaven, completely in charge, calling the shots. Listen. Jesus has always been in charge. Even in death, he was calling the shots. Jesus is the lone commander-in-chief, always has been, always will be. But even now, he chooses to discharge and execute his commander duties and responsibilities from a posture of servanthood. Not lordhood, servanthood. You see, Jesus came to serve. That's what he said in the Gospel of Mark. That's what he proved in the Gospel of Mark. That's what he made clear throughout all of the Gospels. I came to serve. 
His nature and character will not change. It will always be the same. The scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And identifying Jesus as servant does not in the least bit discredit or diminish who he really is. King of kings and Lord of lords. Friend, Jesus is Lord of all, and yet he is servant of all. And he came to reveal that heart to us. That's the heart of the Father. Jesus came to earth to show us how much God loves us, how much he cares about us, and how committed he is to not only save us, but to serve us. And not just for a limited earthly season, but rather his desire to serve us remains the same throughout all eternity. And right about now, some of you are looking at me like you don't believe me. Like, what strange new doctrine is this? And you got this funny look on your face. Eyebrows slightly raised, little gap between the upper and lower lip. Some of you don't believe me. Jesus came to serve. He hasn't stopped serving the church. Check out Luke chapter 12. In these verses, probably right at the heading of them in your Bible, it says Jesus is talking about a second coming. He's admonishing us, his church, to prepare ourselves, to always be ready, to be alert and to be waiting and anticipating his return. Listen to what he has to say in Luke chapter 12, verses 35, 36, and 37. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men or women who are waiting for their master. Who are they waiting for? Their master. These are people who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants, the men and women who are waiting for him. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, this is the truth, Jesus said. He will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. Wait a minute, who's he? Who's who's Jesus talking about here? Who's going to be dressed to serve? Who's going to be doing the serving? The master, King Jesus. Isn't that crazy? We have a risen king. His name is Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. And his number one top priority is to serve his people. Do you see why he has a name above every name? Why no one compares to him? No one is even in the same league because it is nearly impossible to comprehend the love and commitment that he has for us. When he said to us in the Gospel of Mark, when he made it clear that he came to service, that he came to be available to us, to walk with us, to stay with us through whatever we go through, he wasn't kidding. He has that commitment and he's proved it throughout his time. Now, over and over again in the Gospels, whenever Jesus encountered a person who was in pain, you will read 
the phrase, Jesus was moved with compassion. Say that, please. Jesus was moved with compassion. And that compassion, or his ability to identify with the sufferings of others, is what sprung him into action. And on the other side of a Jesus moment, the other side of Jesus getting involved in somebody's life, there was always victory. He never failed one time. Regardless of how dark the situation was, how desperate, how impossible, whenever Jesus faced that kind of decision, he, that situation, he always made that situation better. And in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, we have the testimony of one of his top disciples. This is Simon Peter talking about Jesus. And remember that Simon had a bird's eye view of Jesus. Walked with him for three and a half years. He was one of the first disciples that were called. He was with Jesus. He was one of the inner three, the, 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 the closest to Jesus. He went to places that some of the other disciples didn't go. But, but Peter saw it. And here was Peter's testimony of Jesus in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing, how many? Healing all who were under the power of the devil. That's what Jesus did. Before he went to the cross and before he died for the sins of the world, He took on the devil. And he healed people who were oppressed of the devil, people who were stressed out, people who had spiritual issues. Those who were struggling with their faith, those who had doubts, those who just couldn't seem to put one foot in front of the other. Jesus made it his commitment. He made it his goal to fight against the enemy because it infuriated him to see the enemy having a field day with his creation, the same creation he was destined to serve. And so Jesus went toe-to-toe with the enemy. This is what Peter said. God anointed him to take on the devil. And how many know that Satan hasn't given up the ship just yet? In fact, he's fighting with all of his might, he's intensified his attack on the church of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that? This past year, one level right after the other, spiritual attack and spiritual harassment of the enemy. He has not given up the fight just yet, and he's been coming at the people of God with the same age-old strategy and tactics of doubt and deception, lies, and leading the people of God astray. And in John chapter 10, in addressing this very issue, Jesus, he referenced Satan as a thief and a robber. And he said his one objective is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's all about. He wants to rob you of your faith, strip you of your joy, and have you walking around like you're not a victorious Christian. How many know this is real? And it's happening today. And you can link and trace everything back to him. He's the author. He's the liar. He's the cause of all of the evil in our world. 
And Jesus made this very clear to us. He taught us this. In fact, on one occasion in Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, he turned to Peter, who he loved. And here's what he said. Simon, Simon, repeated his name twice. Behold, Satan has demanded, not a suggestion. He's demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But what? I have prayed for you that the enemy would not destroy you that he would not rip you apart. I prayed for you. And here's what I pray. I pray that your faith may not fail. You know, I've read this passage countless times. And whenever I feel as though the enemy is on my case, which is often, just like you, I go back to this passage. Because I know when Jesus said he would be praying, that he meant it. He said to Peter, I'm praying for you. But you know what I wish that Jesus would have said, instead of saying, Peter, I'm praying for your faith, I wish he would have said, I'm praying against the enemy in your life. And because my prayers are so effective and my prayers are so powerful, I have commanded the enemy to leave you alone. I have compelled him to stay out of your business. And Simon, I want you to know you're never going to have to worry about a spiritual attack ever in your life. Is that the prayer that Jesus prayed? I wish it would have been. It would have been a a lot better prayer. Sorry, I just think it would. But he didn't pray that prayer. He prayed to Simon, or he, he said to Simon, I prayed that your faith will not falter. That the enemy would not be allowed to strip you of your trust in God. That regardless of what you go through in this life, that you would always know, I'm in your corner, I'm standing there, serving you, interceding on your behalf. And I will not let you walk through your situation alone. It's the same thing he showed us during his earthly ministry. He never let people walk alone. It's the same prayer that he's praying for us today. This is the same exact Ministry that Jesus is performing for each and every one. He's praying for us that our faith would not falter. That church, we would rise up with renewed trust and confidence in him and know that he's in control of all things. And he's given us the power that we need to live our lives in victory. Now in Mark chapter 11, verses 22 and 23, are Mark verses for today. Here's what Jesus said. Have faith in God. Boy, I wish I could just communicate to you the importance of that statement. Because so many people today are bailing on their faith in God. Life has become too hard. And there's so many questions that we don't have answers for. There's a lot of pain in our world and there's a lot of opposition and hatred and struggles. And I see people doing exactly what Paul said would happen. They are departing from the faith. They are losing the strength of their faith. And here in Mark chapter 11, Jesus, he appeals to us, have faith in God. For I tell you the truth, Jesus said, if anyone says to this mountain, let's read every word carefully here. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea 
and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him or for her. How many of you have ever encountered a mountain? Or maybe a better question would be, who's never faced a mountain? I think we all have. We've all been face to face with huge, insurmountable heights in our lives. And I can tell you from past experience, when you're standing at the base of a mountain and you're trying to look past it, it's nearly impossible to see the light. Because your attention is drawn to the structure, your attention is drawn to that mountain. And no matter what you try to do, your focus becomes the mountain. And that's why we have to pray that God would allow our vision to change. This is what we were singing about with that last song, with the Holy Spirit coming into our lives and changing us. As we can focus our attention upon Him, we can lift our vision to above the mountain and see that there is a God who is greater than the mountain that we're in front of because He's proven to be greater. In fact, the psalmist said in Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, And you know these verses well. I will lift my eyes to the mountains, above the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This is where our focus needs to be. Not the mountain, not the structure in front of us, not the problem, not the situation, but the God who's greater, the God who's the God of heaven and earth. You see, in Mark chapter 11, Jesus makes it very clear. He says pretty much what he said to Simon Peter. I'm not going to pray for you that all the mountains will be removed out of your way. I'm not going to pray that you're never going to encounter a mountain, but rather you're going to be able to conquer the mountain. That you will have the faith necessary to defeat that mountain and to speak to that mountain and watch it move. Now, for perspective in helping you to identify this passage and what Jesus meant when he said you have to talk to that mountain and you have to speak to it and command it to move. Let me share a story with you. Recently, we hosted a memorial service here at our church. And friends of mine, a a couple that I haven't seen in a really long time, probably 30 years, they came for the visitation. And when they walked into the church, the first thing they did was come and find me. And they said, is this your church? Did you do all this? And immediately, being the wise man that I am, I defaulted to the Lord And I said, this is what God has done through a faithful and sincere group of people. And as they walked around and they kind of checked out the facilities, they were completely blown away. And rightly so, when they walked in here, they sensed the presence of the Lord. And this is a beautiful place. And we have been very careful to give God all the glory. He deserves every ounce. We would be foolish to take any of the credit. But still they acknowledged the distinction that God had done some great things around here. 
that this was a beautiful building and a gorgeous sanctuary. But what they didn't see or what they didn't know anything at all about were the enormous and countless mountains that once stood in the way of what they were looking at. And they didn't see those mountains. The mountains weren't obvious to them because the community Christian church people of God, the people that God had joined to this vision and to this church, spoke to those mountains. And by faith, they asked those mountains to be removed out of the way. And by his grace, would not focus our attention just on the mountain, but rather the God who would give us the power to move those mountains. We said, mountain, be moved into the sea. And guess what? They were moved. It was a mountain. It was there. But the people didn't see it. You know, T.D. Jakes, he says, people, they see the glory, but they don't know the story. See, they don't have a clue. They don't understand sometimes what we've been through. And they don't know how many mountains have to be demolished and conquered before you get to see a clearing. They don't see what happened in the past. You know, my friends that I hadn't seen in 30 years, when they looked around this church, and they saw the tremendous progress that the Lord was able to do through a group of people. They didn't know that for five years, from 1994 until 1998, I used to drive up to a piece of property on this location. For five years, probably once a week, maybe twice a week. No buildings here, just a vacant piece of property. Just land, just weeds, just brush. And I would park my car. And I would get out of my car and walk the property line and prove to God and to myself and the world just how deeply spiritual I was. How much of a spiritual giant I was. Because as I was walking the property, here's what I was saying. We're never going to have a church building. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo. We're always going to be a portable church. We're never going to have anything of our own. We're never going to have a church building that we can come and worship to. Boo! Any reason why I would say something like that? Because every time I pulled up to the property, all I saw was a huge mountain. A mountain that represented no resources. No ability whatsoever to ever think we were going to build a church building on this site. And in order to negotiate those kinds of things, I had to cast a new church building vision to a group of people. And guess what? They had to buy into the vision. They had to accept that this is what God wanted from us. And check it out. A small group of people, less than 100 people, they bought in. They accepted it. They prayed. They sacrificed. You know what they did? They spoke to that five-year gaping mountain, and we moved it out of the way. That mountain was destroyed. My friends didn't see that mountain. And as they walked around and they looked at the progress of the church, they had no idea that back in 2004, we suffered a huge setback. 
When we were finishing up this project, our phase two project, this sanctuary and all of the surrounding facilities, and like most building projects, we came in over budget to the tune of $1 million. Check it out. We were $1 million over budget. And so at the end of the project, when push came to shove, we didn't have the money to pay. We couldn't pay our contractors. And I was dragged into court for months. And in 2004, I sincerely believed that we were going to lose the church. All of our buildings, all of our resources would go into receivership. And for the space of about two or three months, I was convinced I was going to jail for fraud. Any idea why I would think that? Million dollar mountain we were staring at. You know how big that is? What do you do with that huge of an insurmountable structure standing right in front of you, staring you in the face? You do the same thing that Jesus said to do in Mark chapter 11. You speak to it and you command it to be moved. And a group of people here at our church, they took hold of what God was calling us to do and we sacrificed and we prayed and we exercised our faith and by the grace of God, that mountain went bye-bye. It was moved. You know, when I look over the years of my life and I look back, I see a string of mountains. Mountains that were there at one time. Mountains I thought would do me in. But they're gone now. They're no longer there. But I have to tell you at the time when I was facing that problem, when I was facing that structure, when I was facing that unbelievable problem and issue, some of those mountains brought me to my knees. There are personal mountains and problems that people don't know anything about because I don't make all of the news known to everyone. I've had financial mountains and physical health mountains and emotional and relational mountains. And every one of those mountains over the years, when I looked at it at the time, I was convinced this one's going to do me in. There's absolutely no way I can get on the other side of this one. The enemy's going to win this time. And in addition to the personal mountains and issues that I have faced as a pastor, other people have had problems and tragedies happen in their lives, and I've tried to walk through that with them. There were times when my heart was broken as I sat with people. People that I loved that were diagnosed with stage four terminal cancer. And what do you say to that? Community Christian Church couples that I love with all my heart, have known for years, they found out are getting divorced. Families that I sat with, planned memorial service, parents that I grieved with when they suffered the tragic loss of a child. Community Christian church people that have lost their homes and lost their jobs 
lost their freedom, ended up behind bars. You just stand in front of these mountains and you cry out to God. And Jesus, he says in Mark chapter 11, have faith in God, especially when you're standing in front of a mountain. Do what the psalmist did in 121, Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look to the God who's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's greater than any mountain that you will ever face. And no beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jesus said, I came to serve. Not for three and a half years, but for all eternity. And I came to walk you through every situation and get you on the other side of any mountain that you would ever face. That's our Savior. We're going to close out this message and this series the same way that we started it. With an emphasis and a focus on Jesus. Friends, this is what we need. I've been trying to communicate it to you. Some of you are getting it. Some of you are starting to get it. We've got to put our attention back on him. Not everything else that's around us. We have to listen carefully to what he had to say. We have to lock in to his vision and to his ministry. He has answers for us today. Everything he said to us is true. And right now, and I'm convinced by the Holy Spirit that there are many of you who are facing some nasty mountains. All the people don't know the half of it. And you're convinced this one is going to do you in. You're not going to recover from this one. This mountain will never be moved from in front of you. I just want to encourage you to think back to some of the other mountains that you thought were too big for God. And think about what happened to those mountains. Those are gone now, aren't they? You survived them. Somehow they got out of the way. I predict that's what's going to happen to this mountain. God is going to help you negotiate it. And he's going to reveal himself to you as the God of the heaven and the earth. Let's bow our heads for prayer. We're not going to take a lot of time with this this morning. I'm really not interested in seeing a bunch of hands grow up. But I do want to pray for you. Because I'm convinced with all of my heart that the enemy has taken such a swipe at the church. He's lied to us. He's fighting with us tooth and nail right now. And he has caused your vision to be fixed on a mountain that's in front of you that is representing a huge challenge. And if that's you, if you have that kind of a mountain, would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Hands going up all over. No reason to feel like you're alone. This is what's happening today. Because God wants us to know he's still in the business of moving mountains. And so, Father, I thank you. I thank you for allowing faith to rise up within your people. That's what you said. That's, that's the answer. You said, have faith in God. And when you prayed for Peter, you said, Peter, the, the enemy is demanded to have you. He wants to destroy you. And he will destroy you unless I pray for you. 
He will rip you apart, Jesus said, unless I am faithful in my prayers. And here's the number one prayer that I'm praying for you, that your faith would not falter, that your faith would not fail. I pray that for my brothers and sisters here this morning, Lord. Lord, I wish that I could fix everybody's situation. I wish I could go around from family to family and start talking to mountains. I I can't do that. I can move my mountains, the, the ones that are in front of me, but I don't have it in me to move somebody else's. Lord, I pray for the church of Jesus Christ that our faith would not fail, that today would not be a day to lessen our trust and our faith in you, but to grow with every ounce of confidence in our great God because right now you are on your throne, King of kings and Lord of lords and servant of all. Speak to our hearts, Lord, as only you can. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.